In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, we are bringing you some lessons from a remote consultation that Nicole just did a couple of days ago. Before we do that, I want to make sure that those of you who are not joining us in person at Pelvicon, remember that this is the week to get access to the pre-order of the recordings. That is going to be $50 off, so it's less than 300 bucks as long as you get it before Friday, which is the 2nd of September. So if you guys are listening to this on the day that it drops, you've got about 24 hours to take care of that. But this is going to be unreal. It's 17 different talks from 10 different speakers. You guys already know the speaker lineup is unbelievable. You'll get lifetime access to everything. You will get access to the Pelvicon manual. You'll get access to the diversity and pelvic health speaker panel, the whole nine yards. There's really no reason not to do that. It's like $18 per talk. (laughs) Jesse's done the math. I've done the math, right? But I mean, are you serious? Like you don't think a 45 minute presentation from Michelle Lyons that's going to change your career is worth $18? Yeah, dude, it's going to be just like seriously so awesome. And we really wanted to make it available to all of you guys that couldn't actually either get a ticket or couldn't come for some reason. We're just really excited to be able to offer that solution for you at the beginning of the conference. You know, when we were first planning it, we weren't even sure if that was going to be an option and we made it happen. So we're really excited about it and hope you guys can take advantage of it, especially if you can save some money in the next couple of hours. All right. So make sure to do that. That is at pelvicon.com slash recording. Again, that's pelvicon.com slash recording. So Nicole, jump on in here. What do we have going on with this remote consult? Well, let me just start by saying that let's start by the with the end and just say that overall, I want you guys to be thinking about how to assess and treat your patients more functionally. We're going to go through a little bit of this uh, gentleman's case report. There's a lot to every single person that I talk to in a remote consultation ends up being really complex, has seen multiple providers, but hasn't gotten any help. A lot of times they've seen pelvic PTs. In this case, this gentleman had seen two different pelvic PTs. And when I got through a lot of the questions on how that's been going, you know, he had gotten some improvement. But if you really look at how active he was, one of the biggest takeaways from me talking to him was that he had not been assessed functionally with almost any of his symptoms. And it really can make a big difference. There are so many questions about what's actually going on with his pelvic floor, with the rest of his body, and how his pelvic floor may or may not be compensating. And so I really want to start with that end in mind about 
treating your patients more functionally and making sure you're assessing them in different positions. It's a lot of what the pelvic floor, not your mama's Kegel strengthening course is all about. It's assessing patients more functionally, seeing what their pelvic floor is doing, and then being able to specifically give individualized treatment. So we're going to go through a little bit of what his case is and then give you five examples of ways that he could have been assessed more functionally and wasn't. So talk to me, first of all, about his symptoms. So he reaches out, we get the remote consult set up. Like what's going on? What is he dealing with? So he's in like his mid forties. He's super active. He does things from playing basketball, like think of your typical like mid forties weekend warrior kind of guy. He is an avid runner. He has been a runner for a very long time. He ran in high school and in college and really just enjoys being very active. His primary symptoms are urinary urgency and frequency, post-void dribbling, erectile dysfunction, and incontinence with activity. Um, He has a history of having bilateral inguinal hernia repairs, a urethral stricture repair that got infected with mesh, and a couple of other knee surgeries, and I think a foot surgery in there from his running days. So already, even just in the first two seconds of me talking to him, we know that this guy is an active dude, and he probably has a lot of orthopedic things going on. He sort of said in his intake form, like, oh, I have back, I've had back pain for 20 years, and with some occasional sciatica, but it's being managed well. And I'm like, okay, well, is it really being managed that well? (laughs) And we find out, no, it is not. That's sort of just his background with his symptoms. And again, relatively or probably orthopedically complex. And then also is having these pelvic floor symptoms that have been going on for about two to two and a half years. Okay. And so he's made it to a pelvic PT. First step. Great. What did that look like? What was treatment like for him? Well, as a little bit of a sidebar, you guys, like if any of you are interested in treating men at all, there is such a need for our profession to cater more towards men's pelvic health. This guy had gone to somebody where he was like, I can't, you know, I'm going to these people with the pregnancy lady on the website. I mean, people pay attention to your marketing. So even if you're open to treating men and you still are very like market heavy on your marketing heavy on your like women's only kind of vibe, even something down to like your colors and stuff like that, dude, just make sure that you at least have a special section for men's health on there. There are so many dudes. I mean, I would say like, Jess, wouldn't you say like 50% of our remote consultations are from men Probably, around yeah. the world? And and the out of town program is very male heavy. And we see a lot of male patients at Public Sanity. It's somewhere between 25 and 30% of our patient population And that is, I I think, you know, as a guy myself, you kind of see it around in everybody's marketing and you've got the beautiful unfolding butterfly and you've got all of that stuff. I mean, even if you look online, it's like, well, you're in a vulva costume. That doesn't necessarily make me want to come in and be like, oh, that's what I want to do here in Southern California. It's like, hey, do you want to come to pelvic sanity? If not, you can go to womanology. I hear they work with some men, too. Right. It's just not a great look. So this guy had reluctantly gone to somebody who was specializing in pregnancy postpartum that was open to treating men and actually got a, you know, a decent amount of symptom improvement. But this is where we're going to go into the ways that he was not treated functionally and is still left, you know, two years later with these symptoms. So, you know, his erectile dysfunction got a little bit better. His post-void dribbling got a tad better. So he, you know, at least got enough 
hey, this can work. But he also had to drive like an hour and a half each way. And at that time, he had pain with sitting and back pain. And so he was like, that's just too far for me to drive. And it's not worth my time if my symptoms are worse to do that. And he couldn't really find another person around his area to treat him. And so he was kind of self-helping himself online. And that's sort of how he found us and all the things. So, but just understand that you guys, if you have a desire to treat men, they're super cool to work with. They're so fun. And just make sure that you're actually catering to them in a way that that makes sense for them. Yes. So talk to me, Nicole. How was he? I think this was the thing that jumped out at you because we talk after most of these remote consults. It's like, oh, how is it going? Because these are interesting cases. They're usually really complex. They usually have been through the ringer in a lot of ways. But the thing that jumped out at you after this conversation was that he had not been ever really assessed or treated functionally. So here's one example. Number one, when we were talking about his core routine and core exercise, because remember, this dude's an active dude. He used to run a ton. He still wants to look all fit. And so I said, which core exercises are the most problematic for you in terms of symptoms, either with pain or urinary stuff? And he goes, oh my gosh, I cannot do a plank. There's just no way I'm peeing all over myself. And I am, I mean, it hurts. I can't breathe. I have to hold my breath. It's like really a problem. So what did I do instead? I did, I'm changing to some crunches. I'm doing about 500 a day. And I was like, whoa, like, Okay. I was like, does it, has anybody ever looked at you or seen what your pelvic floor is doing or even how you're breathing when you're doing those planks? He goes, no, that's all just self-diagnosis from me looking online. My PT's never looked at that. So he'd been to pelvic PT and had never been actually looked at for how is he doing his plank? What's he doing with his abdominal crunches? Like, all of those things. And so we can do both internal and external things to assess, to see what their pelvic floor is doing, what their breathing pattern is like, what their coordination is like in their functional position, especially if it's symptomatic. So he knew he had problems with planking. In fact, he had stopped planking. And so I was like, I need somebody to get you in a plank and see you exactly what you're doing and either look at how your thoracic spine is working, how what your position is, and potentially even do an internal rectal exam at the same time to see what the hell is going on with your pelvic floor breath coordination. That is not out of the realm of what we should be doing, you guys. So that's one example. The second example is that I was like, okay, so what's your deal with running? Like, are you still running? Have you stopped running? Is it, what is going on with the running situation? And has anyone ever looked at you when you are running? And he said, no. He goes, I used to get running assessments all the time when I was in high school and college, but I've been to both orthopedic PTs and public PTs and no one has ever looked at my running. He goes, I'm sure it's all jacked up now because I'm, you know, 45 and doing that. And I was like, okay, so that is one other example of you guys. Sometimes it's not about 
the pelvic floor strength, right? This guy does not need Kegels necessarily. He needs to become more efficient in his running, or we need to look at ways that the ground reaction force is going through his pelvis. How is his breathing? What's his rib cage doing over his pelvis during running? And if no one's looking at that, we can't make an assessment on either the orthopedic things or the pelvic floor things that might be causing those symptoms. So you got that. So he's having problems doing planks and core exercises, not evaluated. He's having trouble running, not evaluated. What are the other three areas that you were like, man, I'd really want to check out if we got him in the clinic? So the other three areas that really had been lacking is that the fact that he had bilateral inguinal hernia repairs and no one had looked at the inguinal region of his body. No one had done any visceral mobilization. No one had even looked at his hips. Everybody was just sticking his finger up the butthole and forward pelvic floor stuff. And really at the end of the day, like if you look back at his history, it's more important to look at that and the patterns of his pressure management issue potentially than anything that's going on with his pelvic floor, especially given the surgeries and the potential for infection that he had afterwards as well. So, you know, there was no follow-up with that either from his surgeon. And so that's our job, you guys, is to also take that into consideration because that can also influence some of the urethromusculature, the pelvic floor areas around the base of the penis, like all of that stuff needs to be assessed. The fourth thing is that no one had taken into an account the fact that he had knee surgeries. And so, yes, that might be a long time ago. Is it a top, top, top of the mind? No, not necessarily. But can his knee surgeries influence the hip? Yes. Can it influence the foot? Absolutely. Can it influence some of his back issues going on? 100%. And so in terms of the stress and strain on the pelvic floor, potentially from his running and potentially from the compensatory patterns that he's had from his knee surgeries, that is now a huge factor, especially given how active he wants to continue to be. We cannot assess this person We cannot assess this person thoroughly without looking at the influence of his knee surgeries on his pelvis and pelvic floor. And then finally, right, he had had a ton of pain with sitting and tailbone pain stuff. And that assessment also had always been uh, never looked at in sitting, never actually checked it out. Yeah, it was only done in supine and hook lying um, because I specifically asked. So we did not have a prone assessment done, which actually I prefer the tailbone assessment in prone and or quadruped, which is something, by the way, at PelvicCon PostCon we're going to be talking about. So that's going to be awesome. But but the bottom line is that if he has pain with sitting and he has tailbone pain with sitting and he has back pain with sitting, then we also need to look at the influence that sitting has on his pelvic floor. And what does that also mean? What hip flexion angle is that? Is What does he look like when he sits in his car? Like all of those things are extremely important. And the movement of the pelvis when you're sitting is very different than the movement of the pelvis when you're walking or running. And so we need to be assessing people in the positions that they have their symptoms in, in whichever way that we can. Now, I do not do an internal assessment in sitting, but we can glean a ton of information from the external evaluation of the tailbone, the pelvic floor, the ischiorectal fossa, around where the hamstrings are, the glutes, looking at the influence of how the sacrum moves without the weight bearing of the legs being 
influenced in that assessment. So all of that is to say is that those were five areas that were grossly missing from this person's evaluation. And what that leads to is a bunch of self-treatment that this guy was doing that was ended up being detrimental to his mental health as well. So for instance, he wanted to do more core exercises. Now he's resorting to only crunches, which can make his problem worse, and he's not happy about it. He had stopped running for a guy that used to run 70 to 80 miles a week, and that is his main stress outlet. His whole thing now is like, well, maybe I shouldn't be running because he looked online and said that like running is not helpful for pelvic floor, which in some ways is true, but in other ways was not true for this guy. He had no understanding of why he had his hernias in the first place. And so that pressure management piece was not taken care of. And he was avoiding sitting at his work and stuff, you know, just because he had pain there. And so there's a lot of you know, sometimes are confused as to why someone can be so fear avoidant when they're in their behaviors when they come into the clinic. And it's because if we're not doing a good job at the front end of helping patients to see that like, it's still okay to move, it's actually better to move. And here's how you can do it in a modified way right now when we're working on things, they're resorting to just stopping everything. And then we're wondering why they're so reluctant to move when they come into the clinic. So I hope all this can start to get your little brains thinking on how can you assess the pelvic floor? How can you assess your person in front of you in the clinic in a more functional way that's going to give you more information about what's actually going on at that person's pelvic floor as it correlates directly to their symptoms? And this is everything that you're talking about in Essential Pelvic Strengthening, that course. So if that's something that you guys are interested in learning more about, there's almost 300 of you who have been through that. That is the place to go. You've been getting feedback on it. It's super fun when that starts coming in. But that would be the Essential Pelvic Strengthening, Not Your Mama's Kegels course is all about that. So I hope that this has been a helpful little case study for you guys. Again, make sure to grab that Pelvicon recording this week. If you guys are listening to this when it comes out, make sure to do that. That's at pelvicon.com slash recording. If you guys have any questions on this, any wondering how, you know, how to do some of these different things, feel free to reach out. We always love hearing from you guys. We want this to be a two-way street. We want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.